Dear sister, I am writing you this letter because I was wrong. I have judged you, gossiped about, compared myself to you, and made you the monster in my story. I have done all the things sisters should never do to one another. My eyes are open, and I see how my behavior feeds the festering wound inflicted on us by our patriarchal culture. I have been placed up against you, and we have been placed up against another for an imbalanced benefit. We have been taught how to compete with one another instead of how to honor one another. This is what colonization does. It breaks and fractures our divine systems to create something that is oppressive and controlling. It separates us into dichotomies, creating endless impossibilities and contradictory rules that strangle our intuition. Today we're talking about sisterhood and the witch wound we inflict on each other. I'm Leander Witchwood. And I'm Elise Wells. And welcome to the Magic Kitchen Podcast, where we talk about magic, kitchen witchcraft, herbs, and everything in between. got an idea for an event, but we need your help to make it happen. Leandra and I would love to do a Q&A episode that would be recorded live with you present to ask us your questions. If you'd be interested in participating in this, please email us at magickitchenpodcast at gmail.com and let us know. All right. So let's talk about what the sister wound is and what the witch wound is. I think that's a good place to start. And I think it's it's it goes back centuries. Um, it goes back as far as, you know, before 700 AD, really, um, when the goddess was literally cast out of the temples and out of the places of worship. And can you almost think of it as like this war that has been placed specifically on women? And of course, it, it, it fragments and, and leaks out into people of color and um, LBGTQ communities. And the, what we're taught is that we have to be at odds with each other. We have to be right or wrong. There's no gray area. There's no room to share with one another. There's no room to be in community with each other because we have this outside source telling us how to be instead of allowing us to listen to our intuition. And I know in my experience, it shows up in the witch community where we're attacking each other on social media because what someone else is doing doesn't resonate with us. And instead of being okay with that and allowing them to do something that's not harming anyone, um, we attack and we shame and we belittle. And this is really a symptom of a greater problem. It is our disempowerment. It is how patriarchy and toxic 
systems maintain control by keeping us at odds. So Elise and I are going to talk about this wound that we experience and that we live each and every day and maybe offer some insight of how to go about dissolving it and becoming more soft in our perception of others because our communities are going to be the most important things in the coming days. We are facing a lot of changes and the more atrocities that we witness and experience means the more we're going to need one another. And community is going to be where we find this ability to come together and survive screw that thrive (laughs) really i feel that we are at a crossroads and as witches we live in the crossroads we live in the liminal we live in the in-between but we have Mm -hmm. been conditioned by a society that is founded on a hierarchy the patriarchy presents a dichotomy of man versus woman woman below man toxic christian terminology like help meet literally objectifying women and putting us in the submissive position. Hmm. And to get out of that, women have been conditioned by this same system, by the same dichotomy to think that we need to compete with one another, that each other is our competition, not the system built by men. Now, we're not saying that all men are perpetual. No, the patriarchy (laughs) is a system that favors men. That is the fact. Mm -hmm. That is the fact. And like Leandra said, marginalized communities, LGBT peoples, we are also seeing the same hatred, dismissal, neglect on these communities simply because they're othered and they're placed below the wasp, cis white male hierarchy. In the scheme of things, that's the top of the chain. And Yes, that might not be true in your community. I'm in a lot of new Facebook groups since the decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was voted on and decided by the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. A lot of new Facebook groups are popping up. And within these groups, we're seeing women coming together, sharing their stories, trying to create union with each other and build community in these times. And that is so healthy. That is what we should be doing. That's something you can do right now for free. But even within these communities... What we're talking about the most is that we can't get complacent. We can't say that because Mm -hmm. I'm not being directly persecuted, I I'm in a safe state. You know, I've seen people from Massachusetts and Rhode Island say that they're appalled by what they're hearing from pro-choice, pro-abortion women Mm. to just shut up and be okay because you're in a safe state. Why are you worried? Because it's not actually about us as individuals. (laughs) It's about the collective womb-having people. Yes. Yeah. And I think that is one of the messages that the patriarchal system instills in us, that it's not one for all or all for one. It is you are for yourself. Mm -hmm. Rugged individualism. Yes. Yeah. And, And it's so sharp and tuned like well if it's not affecting you don't worry about it yeah but here's the thing the supreme court's not going to stop at these few states or these few states and this mindset within the few states is not going to stop in these localized places 
But as a community, we should be very concerned about our sisters everywhere, not even in, you know, not just in America or the United States, but in other countries where these types of restrictions and control over body autonomy, over any autonomy, sovereignty in general, where these controls are clamped down on anyone who, you know, is perceived to be on that fringe, which really what it is, is this not majority, (laughs) the 30% Mm -hmm. are deciding for everyone. And that's not okay. And we should never be okay with that on any scale. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, two states over or two countries over. When we see our sisters suffering, we should stand up to end it because it doesn't stop at those borders. Yeah. And healing that sister wound is the only way we are going to reclaim our power and those divine connections we have to source and to each other. And I'm challenging myself mm-hmm. to Me heal too. from this. I'm challenging myself to do better. And that is how we heal this wound. This is how we take back our sovereignty. This is how we take back control. We should not be kept in our place. And if you can see me right now, I'm making the air quotes, kept in our place mm-hmm. and under that state of oppression and a state of just control and you do what I say because I know better than you. And instead of you trusting your intuition and trusting that divine guidance that we all have. And I think that that speaks to as well, looking across the aisle and recognizing the hurt that we feel when we're betrayed by other women, other people with wounds, because right now, when I think about that first moment that I saw the result, I knew it was coming. I, f- I feel like we all felt yep, this sensation of it's coming. In fact, with yeah. a friend of ours, with Erin Schrader, she had posted on her page yeah. on, on the Rebel Herbalist about this this horrible, like crushing feeling. And it, it felt like mm-hmm. it was coming from without. And I said, oh my God, I'm feeling that exact same thing. And we talked yes. about it. And then within 12 hours, that decision had been reached. And even though I knew it was coming, right. even though I my body knew something was coming, I was, yeah. I remember vividly, I'm sitting in lunch and I unlocked my phone because I had <sighs> just ordered pizza and I, I just, I remember the smells. I remember the sounds around me. Mm. I was the only American there. And even though I was in Italy and everybody around me was Italian or traveling from other countries, even though none of those people were directly affected by this. Women and men were all talking about it. Within 30 minutes of that verdict being passed, we heard about it. My husband's boss at work said, I just wanted to say, I'm sorry for what's going on in America. Do you have any insight? Like he wanted to talk about it because, I mean, he's he's a man in Greece from Greece. His wife will never be forced to Mm -mm. die of sepsis or carry an ectopic pregnancy or any of the horrible things that come from the overturn of Roe v. Wade. But they still yeah. care. And and that brings me back to the real wound that I feel in this, in the wake of this, is knowing that women sanctioned this. Women yeah. voted for the man oh. who could do it. Women chose to continue yes. supporting and sharing on Facebook and making memes and talking to their husbands and 
just perpetuating it and and hurting other yeah. women. And how do we heal from that? You know, we can talk about mm. the wound that it that hurts us, you know, from that friend we had that betrayed us by taking our boyfriend or mm-hmm. you know, those those are mm-hmm. big sisterhood wounds and they're personal and they hurt on a on a, a big level in ways that are harder to mm. come back from than breakups in a lot of ways. And yeah. I, I feel like we should talk about that too. But on this big scale of knowing how many women, how many Serena Joys for the Handmaid's Tale fans are out there. <laughs> yeah. And that's so hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think what's really important is that we haven't been listening to the signs. First, you know, women of color, ig- indigenous yep. women have been warning about mm-hmm. us about this for mm-hmm. a long time long time. And then during the 2016 election, it was blatantly obvious that that was the plan to get in more Supreme Court justices on the other side in favor of overturning this so that it could get overturned. And that's exactly what they did. We ignored all of these signs Mm -hmm. and we ignored all the messages. And now it's here. And now what do we do? And we're still spending too much time and energy fighting one another. Yeah. And we're, we're further anchoring ourselves into the dichotomies and the mindsets of right or wrong and shame and shame on you that dominates and stifles our sovereignty. And I know sovereignty has, I think, been used more and more lately, but like the ancient Celts understood it and their, their deities we're dedicated to it. And I think when we start looking back at, you know, our roots of how much sovereignty we have given away yeah. and how many freedoms we have given away at the the sake of, quote unquote, being safe mm-hmm. when it's all bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we put other women down while and the more we put other people, women down, other women putting other women down, the more we do that, the more we uphold the system. The, through actions of, you know, pointing the finger and telling people that they're killing babies, which it has nothing to do with the Bible. This whole, this whole decision has nothing to do with the Bible. Let's be very clear about that. It has nothing to do with the Bible. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with saving children. Okay. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with control. Yeah. And they're using these facades to rally people. And this, these are tactics that have been used over and over and over again by fascist re- regimes over the centuries. And if you go back and, and do your research, look at your history, you'll see that all 14 points of fascism apply now as they did in Nazi Germany, as they've done in countless other rise and falls of mm-hmm. fascism. And these oppressive modalities, these oppressive structures do not stay they are not sustainable mm-hmm. because people finally get the shits of it and finally they revolt and finally yeah. something's done about it but i don't understand why it takes us so long yeah. like why are we waiting we could stand up right now and we can protest we can vote we can you know <laughs> i don't know if this is true but i heard a story about a woman mailing her uterus to the to scotus and i'm not even <laughs> sure if that's true but <laughs> well i've heard about the used wow. tampons and i feel like that has to be true oh. <laughs> right i mean that's kind of gross and i don't recommend anybody doing that but these are the types of things that we need to be thinking about like how do we 
how do we let them know that we are not going to tolerate this? Mm-hmm. And, and extreme and I really action like, is what's called for. And the thing that right. the witch wound, the wound that we mm. we strike at each other with, mm-hmm. it's not. It's systemically caused, but it's personal yes. in nature. It is. And it is. and that's where the hurt comes in. But I think that's also where right. the answer lies. Up until now, yes. and even sadly, even now, I'm hearing from a <laughs> lot of women that, oh, I don't want to ruin my relationship with that person. Or I don't want my husband to, you know, not respect my opinion if I tell it to him. Or I, mm. I don't really know how to get through to him. Or we need to talk. Like, you need to talk to these people in your life. There are people that were totally sane people back in 2015 that have been caught up in internet forums and crazy bubbles of misinformation that they're still reachable. They're still there. Now, I think the problem is that we can't – you can't cure poison with poison, Right. So if they're getting their misinformation from the Internet, which I would say everyone is like, I don't think this misinformation spread verbally is going to be as effective as seeing 17 memes as you scroll for four minutes. Like that's where I think this this toxicity against other women comes from for women. I think part of it also comes from their relationships, but I, I really think it's on the Internet. So we can't fight Internet crazy with the Internet. So commenting mm-hmm. on people's statuses, trying to connect with them digitally, it's not really going to work. Wait till your family gatherings. See if you can go out for coffee with somebody that you know has gone a little bit far down this other side, but you think they can still be reached. <laughs> because when we talk to women about sisterhood, it, like just that blanket, like yes. sisterhood's important. If you say that sentence to a woman, I've never met a woman who's like, oh, it's not. I hate women. Like, that's just not how they're going to respond. They think that they're about sisterhood if they, you know, no matter what they believe. That's what women want. Even in our deepest core, even when we've been hurt by women, I've never been hurt by a man the way I've been hurt by women. And that's including assault and all kinds of horrible things. Women just cut at your soul in a way that is so personal. But that means that we have the same Mm. power over each other in a positive light. And those conscious decisions to have those conversations, to reach out across the aisle, it's the only way we're going to move forward in this. Going back to the major basics of who we are on a fundamental level, women have always been able to come together, even in a quiet way. During the civil rights movement, white women in the South you know, they they did not have the rights that white women do today. They couldn't have credit cards. They couldn't get a lease on an apartment. They couldn't yep. buy a car. They couldn't right. have a bank account. You couldn't divorce your own husband without his permission. Mm-hmm. You couldn't bring sexual assault <laughs> charges against him. They had right. very limited freedoms compared to today. And yet, yep. they quietly supported bus boycotts in Alabama by driving black women home across the highways or by only yep. shopping at the stores that they knew we're desegregating. So look in your community. See what you can do now to mm-hmm. help other women. If there's an abortion clinic near you, just go there and be the nice person who's at the door defending these poor women against yes. these pro whatever. Oh, my god! I can't call yeah. it life, <laughs> people. You know, like no. really just get out there and do things. Like take your time. Our only resource in this whole world is time and energy. Forget money. Forget Anything else, it's time and it's our energy. So spend those resources Mm -hmm. helping people. 
sharing mm-hmm. about camping help on Facebook is one thing, but actually going to an abortion clinic and signing up to be a handholder is much more important. Right. And that's where we need to be. I'm in Greece. I'm all the way in Greece, but yeah. I am joining. You can't too much. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Like, I, I, this is a lot of the reason why I moved. I, I saw the way America was going right. and I needed to step outside of it to find myself again. But I still love America. I still love the people there. I still right. want the best for my country. It's still my country. Yes. And I'm, I'm joining every Zoom I can. I'm looking at every way mm-hmm. I can to help from here. I'm communicating with people who reach out to me. I'm reaching out to people who ask to be reached out to in different groups. Like I, There is more we can do than we think we can do. Once we start, more right. options will come. And that is what's going to heal this wound, is really literally holding the hands of each other. I agree. Yeah. And I think sometimes we forget that we are the next ancestors. Mm-hmm. We are the creatrix. And it is time for us to use our skills and to do the work that we were meant to do on this earth. We were placed in these specific bodies with this specific gender to do something. And if it's not to uphold one another and, and you know, use our intuition and do what's right, I don't know what is. And you know, if anybody's looking for a purpose in this world, that's it. Mm-hmm. Come together, balance things out, and create community. So, you know, scientists, when they were doing the human, studying the human fight or flight response, they only studied men. So they only came mm-hmm. up with the two, right? The fight or flight. <laughs> but they weren't studying women. And when they started studying women, which was only recently, they discovered that women have a third response, which is called mend and tend. And what this response does is it pulls people into community. And these cre- communities create this bond that supports everyone in it. They're equalized. And they create the means for us to thrive well beyond the threat. And this is the female primal response. And this is how we survive in the long run. And when we look at matriarchic, not matriarchal, but matriarchic style um, societies, we see how this response helped them thrive, coming together and working together to create a better outcome is how things manifest in a more positive way and become more balanced. Pursuing your spiritual path alone is really difficult, but so is finding community. That's why I started a Patreon community, to help you overcome obstacles and clear up confusions while making friends and finding connection along the way. You'll have a direct line to me for all of your questions and receive tons of benefits for joining my Patreon, from thank yous to ritual resources, journal prompts and reflective exercises, downloadable guides and posters, exclusive Magic Kitchen podcast and Seeking Numina updates and early access. Find community no matter where you are. Visit patreon.com slash Elise Wells. I can't wait to help you on your journey. So 
so the sister wound, the witch wound, it thrives in isolation and it's fueled by shame. So when we allow ourselves to be quiet and remove ourselves from the conversation and remove our opinions and remove our strategies from the situation, then we allow it to fester. And, you know, we're taught in this patriarchal culture that we need to be perfect, that we need to be absolutely smart, we need to be beautiful, we need to be thin, we need to be all these things, Mm -hmm. right? All these things that devalue who we really are. It's a very body-centered thought process and association where being a sister and healing that sister wound means none of that. It doesn't matter any of that. You don't have to be the smartest person in the world. You don't have to be the most beautiful person in the in the room. You just need to have a conviction and you need to be willing to openly share and receive what is out there. So when we go into a room and say, I know how to fix this and you better listen to me and all y'all shut up, right? <laughs> it's not going to work. <laughs> That's not what sisterhood is. That is not circular leadership. And I think circular leadership is something that we're really missing in our culture. Yes, yes. It, you know, it, like you said, at least it, patriarchy is measured on a hierarchy. Who's at the top? Who do we have to obey? And that's not what circular leadership does. Everybody's the leader in circular leadership. Everybody leads. Everybody follows. Everyone's the leader. Everyone's the teacher. Everyone's the student. And that has so much profound nourishment as far as community goes. That's how I run my coven. That's how I run even my business. It's not typical. And that's where we need to focus. You know, take off that mask, take off that deception that we wear as a mask or as a cloak, whatever metaphor you want to choose there. (laughs) And, you know, stop identifying as the victim of, oh, my sister hurt me, so I hate her. And sometimes we hurt each other. It's going to happen. And sometimes it's deliberate and sometimes it's not. But we can always learn. We can always rebound. We can always come back from that as long as we're open on both sides. And when we talk about this cyclical existence versus a hierarchical existence, Mm -hmm. we have to release permissiveness. We are always Mm. afraid to do something because we're not sure if we have permission to do it. Yes. That's something instilled in us in the school system, in our parental, for most of Mm. us, in our family environments, in our parental controls. There is Mm. this hierarchy of authority that is very pervasive in America, especially. And we feel like no matter what it is, whether it's going to get a glass of water in a friend's home or voting the way you want to, even though your husband might not vote that way, or going to the store because you want this snack, but not asking anyone else in the house what they want. You know, we go through this as as women, as caretakers, as partners a lot, because we're we're always taught that we need to ask permission for everything, for even the smallest things. And if it's not permission, it's at least letting them know. There's this, this open yeah. book kind of if we're not open, if we're not very open, if we're not overly sharing to some extent, then we're lying to people or we're, we're untrustworthy. And that is another part of this hierarchical patriarchal programming that we very much need to start releasing from ourselves. The guilt, the constant yeah. apologizing, 
That is not cyclical and that is not – we want to live in a circle with the people that love us, even relationships. Absolutely. And going back to your your comment on constantly apologizing, it's important for us to remember right now that we are all suffering PTSD from colonization. And there is this message that we need to be that submissive, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I see it. I see it in so traffic. Easy example, okay, especially out here in Pennsylvania, it's a very passive aggressive culture. So anybody who's direct is thought to be rude or brash, okay? And I see this in traffic patterns. So you come to a four-way stop and there's a there's a method to it. You yeah. know, you know, the person who stops first goes first. If you all stop at the same time, then it, it's a, you know, was it counterclockwise or clockwise? I can't remember right now. It doesn't matter. But what I notice in Pennsylvania is that Typically, even if the person stopped before you, they will allow everyone else to go before them before they'll go. They will literally sit there until until there's nobody there so that they can go. And that is a symptom of the programming we have in our head. I mean, it seems so simple, but it's a very clear example of what we do. Yeah. In this patriarchal mindset, in this controlling mindset, we have to let everyone else go before us. Yeah. Actually, I know a woman who has totaled three cars because they were at an either a stop sign or coming off an exit on the highway. This is in Pennsylvania. Mm. And mm-hmm. they were supposed to go. They had the right of way. They were supposed to right. go. Right. But they didn't because a man was driving another yep. car and they wanted him to right. go first. So they actually got rear-ended right. and totaled three cars yep. in four years. Whoa. <laughs> if that's not a metaphor for the yeah. way the patriarchy literally slams us, when we it even really when we is. obey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because somehow innately it, it has, you know, wound up in our internal programming that we are not allowed to take initiative. We are not allowed to go first. We are not allowed to take our turn. You know, and it's crazy. It's crazy how this yeah. shows up. But in that it's probably the most simple, you know, way to show it. But look at your life. Like look at where you give other people permission to not not exactly step all over you, but I think that's what it leads to being stepped on and being the doormat because you're under the impression that someone else is more important than you or their mm-hmm. you know, their um goal is somehow higher than yours and they they need to reach it first before you and it could be just like you know letting you know it's it's fine to be polite like i'm all cool with being polite yeah but w- it, there's there's a borderline there where it's no longer polite you're just being a doormat <laughs> yeah yeah and i think a and lot of the reasoning some people. even when you know we don't want to we don't necessarily want to say that our reasoning comes back to patriarchal programming So we might say our reasoning is, well, it's how I would want to be treated. Or if I don't, this person might not respect me anymore. Or it might come off wrong. Mm. Or it might, Mm -hmm. it might, it might. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. at the core of all of those fears, communication is going to be the response to that. So, and not just, not just verbal communication. You, You don't have to have a talk with someone every time you, you know, assert your, ownership over your own time or your own resources, but it could be nonverbal communication. You know, maybe you are tired of 
always being the person that has to, you know, bring the snacks on a road trip, you know. So, you know, you don't. You tell everybody like, hey, I'll be bringing uh, my water bottle, but what else is everyone else bringing? You know, like, see how you can communicate. Like, we're not all ready for these deep confrontational, you know, (laughs) monumental conversations, but we can always have, make a change that the people around us will absolutely be receptive to. Any healthy relationship is going to be happy to see you exercising your agency. And it's also a great way to filter out non-healthy relationships. And that doesn't mean wound your sisters, people. It doesn't mean, like, you know, purposely hurt people or, you know, take their boyfriends Mm -hmm. or all that horrible stuff that the other girls did to us when we were growing up. But it does mean, you know, you don't need to have those people in your life anymore. Right. Well, and I think that's the other message that patriarchal control sends to us is that we must strike first before someone else has the advantage. We've we've got to, you know, we can't be vulnerable. And I know that that's the message I've internalized. Like, I don't make myself very vulnerable. I'm working on it. Like I said, I'm working on it. Me too. I'm with you. That's a hard one for me. (laughs) But we have, you know, when that message, you know, it it sinks into us, it becomes problematic because we need to be vulnerable with one another. And we need to make that choice as sisters to not use. Yes. The the knowledge we have of other sisters, their vulnerability against them as ammunition. We need to not weaponize our knowledge of one another. We need to honor that and hold it and hold space for them. Yeah. And not ridicule them, not outcast them. And, you know, we need to feed that primal need to be part of the group instead of ostracizing one another. Mm-hmm. And, and ourselves. You know, the isolation oh, is yeah. what you know, that's Absolutely. what kills us. So rejecting Mm -hmm. that now that's not solitude and isolation are two very different things one is voluntary healthy necessary and that's solitude healthy yeah very (laughs) healthy and for some of us more than others i'm i'm an introvert like i i Mm. i enjoy my solitude a lot but that's i i'm still part of communities you know and that's with the boundary of you know we're we're all introverts actually in my coven and it actually works out really well because you know, we don't oh, overdo any of our events. Like if, if you know, we all kind of have that radar of like, all right, well, I'm ready to go have my cup of tea alone. And everyone's like, me too. And it's Time fine. It's a good boundary set. <laughs> but isolation yeah. is never the answer. And I think that's where Mm-mm. a lot of women end up crossing the aisle into hating other women and and yeah. seeing themselves and as the themselves. victim and then hating themselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, and. Isolation feeds that depression. It feeds yeah. that wound. Mm-hmm. And it convinces us that our inner dialogue is correct. When our inner dialogue has been Yes. And and our inner dialogue is not always right. You know, if it's counterproductive, if it's, you know, causing that wound to become deeper, then you need to get out of that. You need to pull yourself out of that. And it's hard. It's very hard. I've done it many, many times. But you need to get help and seek out people who will help uplift you. And if you have no one in your life that uplifts you, you need to go find those people mm-hmm. now, yeah. stat, because you need those people in your life and they need you. And so to heal this wound, we we have to stop feeding it. We have to stop isolating ourselves. We have to start stop blaming each other. And But how do we do this? How do we dismantle that? How do we 
you know, undo, untangle this indoctrination that we have been subject to since we were born, that our mothers and grandmothers and great grandmothers have been subject to this whole generational curse that has really been laid upon us without permission. And I think the answer is through reflective healing. And this comes when we acknowledge the wound, we acknowledge the pattern, and then we listen to that inner dialogue. So, so going back to solitude versus, you know, isolation, when we're in solitude with ourselves, then we can engage with that inner dialogue. We can receive those messages and we can analyze them and we can realize that it's all bullshit yeah and people don't hate us just because we're we're who we are you know they we don't have to be this um the victim anymore and we don't have to go up against one another we can stop attacking one another and um it's we have these knee-jerk reactions like, well, I don't do that. How dare you accuse me of that? What are you talking about? You don't know me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she did X, Y, Z to me. So that means I'm justified. I can do it back to her and I can slam her all over the Internet and I can, you know, message all her friends and tell them how horrible she is or anybody who might want to work with her or whatever. Yeah. And this mindset is how patriarchy maintains control. Yeah. When we keep attacking each other, when we keep tearing each other down, instead of opening up and having those genuine conversations of like, hey, you know what? I really feel like what you did or what you said, I feel like it it cut me. So can we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Can we resolve this? Can we talk about why you would think that about me or why you would do this against me? And those are difficult. It's really hard to break out of that. But the more we do it, the more women stand up and say, you know what? Okay, we hurt each other. And both sides of the aisle can recognize the hurt and the pain. We both have, you know, disagreements. But you know what? If you were drowning, I would save you, you know, metaphorically and physically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that could be hard for some women because sometimes the wounds are so deep that it's hard to look at another woman. And I have these women in my life too, that the wound is so deep and it's been perpetuated over and over again, that it's really hard to go to that woman and say, you know what, maybe I can't fully forgive you, but I'm willing to open up that dialogue so that we can start to heal the wound and be open with that. So Elise and I value you as a dedicated listener. And to all of our dedicated listeners, we are offering a unique class bundle. This bundle will include all of the classes that Elise and I offer, and it's exclusive to you, our valuable listeners. You can find the link to this bundle in the show description. As always, the Magic Kitchen Podcast Gmail is open for your questions or comments or suggestions on episode topics. And we got a really great couple of questions from Rosie this week. She says, Hi, Leandra and and Elise. First, thank you so much for this podcast. It has been so healing, helpful, and fun to listen to you both talk about living and enjoying a magical and mundane life. So one of her questions is about growing up Catholic in a progressive Catholic environment. Um, and, you know, how that connects to 
<laughs> paganism and of course, has <laughs> roots in paganism. Neither of us are Catholic, but I grew up Greek Orthodox, and I live in Greece, which is mm-hmm. a nationalized religion. The nationalized religion here is Greek Orthodoxy. And yeah, absolutely. I actually just shared a TikTok um, about a church we went into in Italy, a Catholic church that had two goddesses, goddess statues at the front. And something that a lot of people outside yeah. of Orthodoxy and Catholicism don't know is that the goddess was so powerful, especially in Ireland. Um, the two saints were Dimphna and um, Barbara, who were both pagans. So many goddesses <laughs> and pa- like popular pagan women were so so highly revered when Catholicism tried mm-hmm. to sink its teeth into places like Ireland and Greece that they actually had to just kind of grandfather them in. Sorry to use a patriarchal term there, but <laughs> maybe god <laughs> goddess mother them in. I don't know. But they basically just made them saints because they didn't know what else to do. So I find that really interesting. And Margot Adler in Drawing Down the Moon, so this is probably an outdated mm-hmm. statistic, but she said that 30% of witches she has met and polled came from Catholicism and another 30% mm. came from other ritualistic backgrounds like Judaism, Greek Orthodoxy, Islam. And I think that makes sense because our senses are so ignited by incense, candles that you know flicker and dim mm. Catholicism and Orthodoxy also have iconography. Islam has geometric art in their mosques. So I think that we naturally have a draw to symbolism. We love ritual already. As a kid, you know, at Easter, they're bringing in the effigy of Jesus. You walk under the effigy (laughs) of his tomb. Like, it's so ritualistic. You're lighting candles for each other. People are wailing. Like, you know, it wasn't a hard step for us to be like, Let's spiral dance. <laughs> so my guess is uh, that if if you did come from Catholicism or Orthodoxy, Judaism, Islam, that might be true for you. And I also think it's important to say that just because we no longer are Christian, Jewish, Orthodox, if that's true, maybe you are, maybe you have some sort of hybrid belief system. Um, but if you're not and you feel like toxic towards your upbringing, it's okay to still like visit churches because – you know, I'm not Christian anymore, but if I hadn't walked into that Catholic church, I wouldn't have seen those awesome goddesses. So there's a lot we yeah. can still enjoy in medieval art and music. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's good not to outright reject all of that because it can still be no. quite powerful to our own practice and our own beliefs. It doesn't threaten us in any way. Yes. No, it does. Well, and you think about it, um, Christianity has pagan roots. I mean, they oh, took yeah. a lot of their practices from the pagans because they needed people to convert. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Dates of celebration, everything. Yeah, everything. So these these rituals have pagan roots and they speak to us. Like ritual is so important to us. And um, part of her question relates to like, well, how does she address her Catholic family about pagan parenting? My first reaction is, why do you have to address it at all? It's none of their business how you raise your kid. And and that it could be a double-edged sword because if they are involved in raising the child, then there has to be that open conversation of you as the parent, what do you want and what do you need for your child? And there are plenty of resources out there. There's so, so many books, a lot more books than I had when I was starting off as a pagan parent. One of my favorites, though, is Circle Round. And there's a companion CD that goes around, goes to it called Circle Round and Sing. It's by Anne Hill and Starhawk. 
And this is such a great book about, you know, getting your children excited and doing activities with them and helping them follow a goddess tradition. But um, we'll have a link in the show notes, but there are so, so many books on pagan parenting and pagan family values and celebrating the great mother as parents and with your children. So a lot of it is going to be, I think, about standing in your decision as a parent. You have the right to raise your child the way you want to raise your child. And if if you raise your children like I did, it's it was open. You know, you introduce them to a bunch of things, let them decide when they're old enough. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter, I raised her, you know, running in the woods and I raised her you know, learning about goddesses and gods and um, other mythologies rather than, you know, outside the Greek mythology that we learn in school or, you know, the the basics, the whitewashed, uh, glitter dusted type mythology that we're used mm-hmm. to. And now I let her decide for herself. And, you know, she's in her 20s and she still doesn't even know what she's following. You know, she's more more ag- agnostic or even borderlining on atheist. And that's fine. That's her choice. And it doesn't mean that she is, you know, a bad person, which I know some Christians might use that. You know, well, how is she going to learn morals or how are they going to learn how to be good people? You don't need Christianity to be a good person. We've known that. We've seen that. There's plenty of horrible people in the Christian church, (laughs) and there's plenty of horrible people outside the Christian church. It doesn't matter. So, my son right now, like, he is not interested in much of it, but he's interested in a lot of what, what is the meaning, and he's interested in the paranormal and that sort of thing. So, However, I can teach him that from the different perspectives from different religions, I think it gives him a broader understanding of who he is and what he needs in his life. And as a parent, those who are in my child's life need to respect me, number one, because I'm the parent Mm -hmm. and they don't get to tell me how to raise my kid. If I'm not harming them, if they aren't fed, they're well cared for, they're well balanced, I'm getting them the care they need medically, mentally, emotionally, and I'm supporting them, that should be the only concern. Yeah. And if you're interested in connecting with other pagan parents, I know there's Facebook groups. Mm. And depending where you live, there's also in-person activities in groups or whether they're specifically for children or if they Mm -hmm. are just open to families. Um, When I lived in Maryland, Frederick was about an hour away from me, and there's a UUC church there, United Unitarian Church, which basically means you can host any religious event in their building. They have so many different things you can do. Earth Spirit, like some more vague things like Earth Spirit, but then they also have Cups, which is, uh, I believe, Wiccan specifically, but it's like a nationalized organization. And they actually had – Frederick Cups has a children's – group you can join. And even if you're not raising Hmm. them specifically Wiccan, I think that would, I mean, how much closer can you get? So I think that would be a great way for them to make friends that they can talk to this about. Because at the end of the day, I was, I don't have children, but I was a teacher for five years. And when you (laughs) have kids going through kids stuff, they need other kids to talk to it about. And that's hugely important. So if that's possible for you, definitely do that. I used to go to public rituals that kids were at all the time. They've always been safe. I've never been to a public ritual that would have been unsafe for children, even if there weren't children there. So mm-hmm. if, if you find one and it doesn't explicitly say no kids, 
message the organizers, see what they say. And I'm sure they'll be thrilled because we're right. the future ancestors. Like we started this episode talking about. Mm. And when we're helping our kids to facilitate the path, no matter what that then looks like when they're the leaders of it, that's great. That's what, that's our, that's our yes. task. That is our task. Absolutely. We are rebels. Together, enter the chamber of the heart where your spirit yearns to be reborn. Ignite that spark, fan that glowing flame, and warm yourself to your core with meaningful conversations, thundering heartbeats, countless dreams, inspiring stories, ecstatic devotion, healing ceremonies, and excursions into the wilds of the soul. Join me, Leandra Witchwood, in the Rebel Mystic community as we come together and explore the radical, rebellious act of creating sisterhood and engaging in deep self-care. Mary meet, Mary part, and Mary Mary meet meet again. again. Thank you for joining us on the Magic Kitchen podcast. Please visit my website, leandrawitchwood.com, for news, information, and more episodes. I'm Elise Wells, and I can be found at Seeking Numina on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, and SeekingNumina.com. That's Seeking, N-U-M-I-N-A. Join me as I immerse you in sacred meditations, ambience, ASMR, and history at spiritual sites around the world.